Many of us have dedicated ourselves to creating our peace with the process. Along the way, circumstances and events will come up that either add to or take from that endeavor. My wife and I had our firstborn son, Lincoln Wayne Gann, on June 2nd, 2021. And I started this series titled A Father's Perspective to share the process of parenthood and how we navigate our ability to continue creating peace day in and day out. If you're a father or mother, soon to be or have been three times over, I hope that hearing about our ups and downs and tips and tricks brings value to you and your family. Let's get started. Hey, hey, how's it going, dads, moms, parents, or just simple uh, standardbys? Welcome to the Father's Perspective episode of Peace with the Process podcast. I'm glad that you were able to jump on, that you have seen some interest in this particular series that I'm doing every Friday. The launch times for this episode is the same as our other episodes. It's 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. And I'm also doing the uh, Insider's Access emails for this series as well. So if you have signed up for the Insider's Access emails, you'll get the email for Tuesday's episode as well as Friday's Father's Perspective episode. And if you're not signed up, go ahead and do so. Head over to peacewiththeprocess.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom for your sign-up form. Or you can head over to the resources page and you can see all of what you'll find on those Insider's Access emails on a on one solid page, right? Resources. You get the, the links for all of our guests' main pages, some of their main tools and resources that they provide. And, of course, I also put in some of the... Uh, discount codes, uh, some gifts, promos, whatever it is that we may have going on, I include that in that resources page as well. And I have the sign-up form at the very top of that. So if that's something you're interested in, take a look at that, and you can get these emailed directly to your inbox, and you don't have to uh, look up the website, go to the page, find all the links and stuff there, but you can actually just have it immediately emailed to you the moment that that episode airs, wherever you are. Awesome. And I also want to thank everybody for their ratings and reviews that you've left the show so far. If you like one of the episodes in particular so far, whether that's the Peace with the Process uh, standard Tuesday edition where we have guests on the show, or maybe you like the Process Perspective episodes where I do it the first of every month and give kind of an overview of the guests that were on the show from the previous month as well as some insight into some different processes, perspectives of my own from the month. Or if you've been enjoying the father's perspective so far. Last week, I went over basically how the home birth, all natural home birth experience was for my wife and I. And I gave a little bit of, uh, of, a, of a brief overview of how the first two weeks have been. So today, uh, my son is officially three weeks old. So we're three weeks into this parent thing. And... Let's let's talk a little bit about that, right? So let me just start by saying how amazing my morning was. Okay, I'm not I'm not just gonna give you all the all the uh, all the peace and the quiet and the glamour. All right, I'm gonna get into some of the moments that I've had that have been a little bit rocky or they've been a little bit rough or they've been a little bit challenging. But I do want to make sure that I paint this picture of what's possible, right? So I woke up this morning. Uh, first off, my wife and I had a discussion about his uh, nighttime. Uh, sleeping routine. So I think we talked about in the last podcast where we had been able to get him on 
a sleeping routine where he was sleeping for four hours at night. So he'll have his last feeding around eight or nine and he'll sleep for about four hours. So uh, someone has to get up at around midnight, 1 a.m. and feed him, change him, put him back to sleep. And he'll sleep until about, uh, well, it can range anywhere from 5.30 to 7.30 a.m. Sometimes he sleeps a little longer. Sometimes he gets up and he's ready to eat again those four hours later. And then we put him on a two-hour eating cycle throughout the day. Now, I've heard a lot of parents say that the first child, that was something that was very easy, that was something that was uh, very capable. That's all I'm going to speak to right now. I can't speak to what that meant look like with, uh, with two children. If I'm just giving a little bit of my personal insight from some of the parenting that I've seen and some of what I understand as, a, as someone standing on the outside, I'll say that to me, I've always felt that if a parent was more strict or more structured or more consistent with child number one, and then things seemed to maybe be a little more lenient with child number two, and then extremely lenient with child number three and so on, I can't confidently say that every time that that happens, it's because they realized, oh, okay, this is not necessary. But I think a lot of times it comes down to, hey, I'm just too tired and I've got a three-year-old. I've got a five-year-old on top of having an infant child. So that's something that I'll embrace when the day comes, right? I'll, I'll, I'll see what that looks like when the day comes. For now, I'm just talking about what it's like to be a dad with my first child. And having him on this routine has been amazing. So this morning, I told my wife, we, had, we, had, we came to an agreement because there were... There were some instances where maybe I felt that, um, you know, my wife may have been a little annoyed that she was handling some of the night feedings, which wasn't the case. I found out. I found out she was just taking her time to go and get to take care of him. I think there was a, an instance or two where he cried for forever before she had went into the room to go take care of him. And it's because she was pumping or it was because of something else. But it interrupted my sleep and I immediately kind of like jumped to this conclusion. I'm like, okay, is she just letting him cry out so that dad will wake up and go take care of it so that she doesn't have to actively ask me? Maybe she's been tired of asking me to get up and go do it. So we we confronted that. And obviously, I was wrong. I had an impulse thought that uh, came from, from pride and ego, and we addressed that. And I told her, I said, okay, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go ahead and start tackling the, the midnight feedings because you get up to pump anyway. Like you're having to get up to pump probably at least two times at night. And plus him in, at midnight, I said, you know, I get that I have to have a certain amount of sleep so that I can be rocking and ready to roll for work in the morning, but I can make that happen. I can go to bed a little bit earlier, or I can sacrifice that you know 30 minutes of sleep that it took, takes me to go in and, and take care of him. So I have thus taken up the midnight feedings. Luckily, it's only one right now. I've heard that later on down the line, the schedule may get a little rocky, but I'm going to do my best to try to, to try to tackle that on its way to that destination. And I'll talk a little more about that. But this morning, right? So I got up at midnight, gave him his feeding, laid him back down. And we actually didn't lay him down until about 930 last night. So that's later than usual, about an hour later than usual. Because uh, we wanted to go ahead and sit down for dinner. He was already sleeping. And we sat down, we had dinner together. And then we woke him up, gave him a bath, fed him, put him to sleep around 930. We thought, okay, you know, that's great. That means he'll 
wake up around 1 a.m. and then he'll probably sleep even longer and wake up around 6 or 7. That's exactly what happened. He woke up around 7 a.m. So that gave me plenty of time. I woke up around 5.15, 5.30, did some stretching. I got up, uh, took a uh, took a shower, spent some time in prayer, got my coffee going in the morning, and then I went upstairs to relieve my wife of, uh, of taking care of him. I could hear that he was starting to wake up, so I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go take care of him. We also made that deal that I'll do the nighttime, and then she'll do the feeding and the changing when he wakes up, when he initially wakes up, which sometimes can be 5 a.m. right whenever I'm waking up to get start getting ready. And I told her, hey, I've got to get, get ready. So if, if I take the midnight feeding, will you take you know the 5 a.m. one? And then once he's asleep, because he'll sleep again for another two hours or so, then I'll pick him back up from there. And I'll just uh, I'll, I'll do the do the routine in and out because what's been going on is I'll change him, I'll feed him, he'll pass out, right, for pretty much the two hours until he's ready to eat again. And so this morning, uh, he actually didn't wake up initially until 7 a.m. I had my coffee. I went upstairs to go relieve him, realized my wife was just getting done changing him and feeding him. And so she handed him off to me and I brought him down into my office. I was drinking my coffee. I did a little bit of uh, gratitude journaling and then just personal journaling here in my office where I've got this big window. We're watching the sunrise in the morning and we're just taking care of uh, business. And I'm watching the sunrise with my son sitting here in his in his little swing set and he's going to sleep and it's just this beautiful, beautiful moment. So that's kind of this peaceful moment. And I knew he's going to be asleep till we wake him up. So that's just kind of the peaceful moment. That's where we're at right now. I have these moments regularly. Let's get over to the nitty gritty. Getting my son set up on a schedule. A lot of people that I've talked to about this say that, you know, this is unheard of for him to be sleeping four hours so soon, for us to already have him on a schedule so quickly. Really, there was nothing, there was nothing that was special about our circumstance, right? We just applied the schedule. We put ourselves on a schedule so that he would fall in line with that schedule. Now, I understand every baby's different, every situation is different. But try it out. Let me know how it works for you. And, you know, let's compare notes. But here's here's what we did. So first day home from the hospital, he's not eating much. He's mostly sleeping through the whole daggum thing. Uh, that first night, I believe, he started to wake up, and it was a little bit of a rough night. I'm not going to be – you know, I'm going to be honest. It was, it was the first night that I wasn't necessarily sure how the process was going to look. I wasn't necessarily – it was very much like, okay – I'm in the game. Let's try to figure out what the rules of the game are. Let's try to figure out, you know, what, what, what's what's the cheat codes, whatever. I don't know. So my head was spinning a little bit, right? I, I was getting that frustration building up, like, oh man, this is what this is what it's gonna look like. But I I basically took a second. I said, no, that's not a thought that I want to have. Okay, that's not a thought that I want to have. I had to. No, that's not it, you know, and then picked him up, carried him into because at the time we were at our apartment, I just carried him literally around the wall because it's an efficiency apartment just around the wall. Okay, I was like, okay, I know babies, they need to be changed, uh, they need to be fed. And I've heard that swaddling them helps them feel more comfortable. Uh, And then of course, everybody knows you rock a baby to help one go to sleep. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna apply. I'm gonna apply that. I know that and I'm thinking, okay, let me just think about this 
logically. Let me uh, let me let me just change his diaper first, and then I'll swaddle him, and then I'll you know I'll, I'll rock him because my wife had already fed him previously, and and she wasn't quite sure. She had been up with him for I want to say an hour, maybe two. I I I was able to sleep for most of that. I don't know how. I, I was probably just exhausted because our the night of the birth, I think we had been awake for over 24 hours. So I was just exhausted. I was able to sleep through it. And I had woken up because I think she was taking care of him in the bed, trying to get him to go to sleep. And she moved around or something. And I woke up and I said, Hey, you know, let's, let's tag team. Let me, let me, let me see what I can do to help out. So that's when I got up and took him in the other room, changed him, got him swaddled. And that's that honestly guys. So that that's, that'll be kind of a little tip here. If you're, if you're handling your first child, or you've got one on the way, or you've got a newborn, however that looks, swaddling them. It really does work. It seriously works wonders. There's times where he's we've done everything else except for swaddle him, and he's awake, he's cranky, he's just not comfortable, right? There's something about being swaddled that it replicates the sort of confinement that he had while he was in the womb. So it's something that he can relate back to you know, some, his first time in existence, something that was comfortable. And I've also noticed that, you know, if he's not comfortable being swaddled and just held, obviously doing the rocking motion, doing a little bit of shaking up and down, everyone kind of knows that. They've seen their parents do it or they've seen people do it on movies, yada, yada. And then also walking because in the womb, he slept mostly during the day when my wife would walk around and he would be, you know, kind of walked you know, shaking a little bit, that little light, nice light shake from the footsteps. So I'm emulating that and I eventually get him to go down and go to sleep. So that first week was a lot of people coming by to visit. There was not a lot of uh, mom and dad time. Well, you know, there were times where we were able to go in the other room and take a nap because grandma came over and wanted to hold him for an hour or so. So we did get some of that relief uh, here and there. And I say relief, there really wasn't any time where we felt we had to be relieved because, okay, so day two, right, we get him on this schedule because we had just heard about it. We had, we had heard or she had read, my wife had read or something along the lines about getting him on a two-hour schedule, feed him every two hours. So I thought, okay, if that's the case, then we're just going to do that by the book. You know, every two to three hours, let's let's get him fed, whether he's asleep or not asleep, whatever the issue is, he's getting fed every two hours. So I just encouraged my wife, you know, when he was, if he was sleeping through up to that two hours, he was still asleep. I was like, we got to wake him up. He's got to eat period. So that's what we would do. And then we had, we had learned we were going to wake him up every two hours while he was, uh, while he was sleeping. But our midwife gave us the advice to not wake him up. You know, no, don't wake him up if he's if he's sleeping, don't wake him up. That just makes sense. I thought, okay, yeah, duh, that makes sense. I was thinking we were just going to have to grit and bear it and, you know, deal with uh, waking up every two hours. And I figured, okay, as soon as my wife's milk starts coming in, she's able to pump and she's able to get bottles, then I'll just do a bottle and then she'll go in and do a feeding. And then I'll do a bottle and then she'll go in and we'll just go back and forth like that. And I even told her, I said, look, you know, on the days when I don't have to get up and go to work, then, you know, I'll just, I'll go ahead and do my best to just bottle feed him all through the night. That way you can get your full night worth of, worth of sleep. Then whenever I'm back at work again, because I took that first week off, when I'm back at work again, you can handle the night feedings, but then, you know, I'll do my best to get the uh, the bottle feedings and, 
and make sure that I give you some time to rest. You know, the real key thing here is going to be that you pump and provide bottles. So really, it just fell in line with that whole process there. I was trying to think of ways that I could make sure I stayed involved because I had heard other fathers tell me, you know, hey, I just felt kind of uh, helpless because, you know, the baby, she, she, she breastfed the whole time. You know, we didn't really stock up a whole lot of breast milk. So I was like, okay, mental note encourage my wife to stock up on as much breast milk as possible. It helped that the midwife uh, echoed the same advice. It helped that a professional echoed that advice. If you don't have a midwife or you don't have a doula or somebody like a professional that can kind of, you know, help be someone who supports the logic that you've heard or at the very least give you some logic to tell to your wife and vice versa, it helps as a, um, or this is just my perspective, Perspective is that for my wife, I think it helps that if I give her some advice, that it's backed up by a professional, right? If we didn't have the midwife, I would probably need to seek out some sort of internet uh, forum or some type of a, of a book with a professional, something to help solidify what I know. Because she looks at me and she goes, okay, this is your first rodeo too. What do you know? And it's just... That's just the way that it is. Not that she's completely disregarding what I have to say, but there's just not as much trust if you have a professional who is able to back it up for you. So I completely understand that. I'm glad that we had the midwife who can relay that. And there's been times where I've suggested something that the midwife has uh, combated, which was the concept of waking him up every two hours. So in terms of schedule, for us, it really worked to feed him every two hours because what we would do is I would change him right before we fed him, feed him, burp him, wrap him up, boom, he'd be asleep until the next two-hour mark, and we'd wake him up and do the same thing over again. This was just an every two-hour cycle. So I would actually take him up to the coffee shop with me early in the morning, my usual time to go to the coffee shop, and I'd bring him with me because I thought, well, how hard can this be? I'm just going to go to the bathroom, change him, burp him, or I'm sorry, change him, feed him, burp him, put him back to sleep, swaddle him up, put him back to sleep, and that's exactly how it happened. So my wife got uh, at least four or three to four hours. I think I'd be at the coffee shop at seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11. Yeah. She got at least sometimes four to five hours. She got just kind of to, uh, to sleep in if she needed to sleep in, she got to get a couple of household things done so that she didn't have to make sure that he was doing all right. So then the schedule was easy to pretty much easy to, to kind of start looping in with. So getting him on a schedule was actually very easy. It was about keeping ourselves scheduled more than it was about trying to get him to adapt to a schedule, right? Now, it's not like we're able to feed him at 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 12 p.m., every, you know, like that. It's very much, okay, when he wakes up in the morning, that's going to set the timer for every two hours. So if he wakes up at 7, I'll wake him up at every odd number hour. If he wakes up at 6, I'll wake him up at every even number hour. And that helps me. You know, hey, what time did he wake up this morning? What time was his first feeding this morning? Uh, it was around 6, 6.30. Okay, cool. Let's just go ahead and do it at, uh, at 8. You know, let's, let's go ahead and feed him at 8 or 8.30. And we'll kind of round up or round, round down however that needs to look. That way we can keep up with what the hours are throughout the day. And we'll get him fed. So the feeding portion of it. I think I mentioned this before about breastfeeding and how that how was going with my wife. So she started pumping. And it really helped. Like I said, I was able to take up the midnight feedings because she's pumping constantly, constantly. Uh, I would say at least every hour, every 30 minutes, there's some concerns that 
we had in regards to how much she was uh, producing. She had heard of other people who were producing a lot more than she was. She was producing really just enough to make uh, make little Lincoln full, and then that was about it. So she would breastfeed him, and she'd pretty much be you know drained. It would, it would take a long time to fill up another bottle of uh, of of pumping, but then she would she would basically wait an hour. That way she had time to basically fill back up. And so she would pump and then she'd get a three ounce bottle or a two and a half ounce bottle or something like that. And we'd stick that in the refrigerator and then she'd breastfeed him the next time. And then she'd wait another hour and she'd pump and then we'd get another two, two you know, maybe it was just a, an ounce and a half, or maybe it was two ounces or maybe that time she got a three ounce. So it was kind of up and down a little all over the place. So one thing she started looking into was, you know, what are some different drinks, some different foods? And one of the things that stood out big, so men, if you're listening, ladies, if you're listening and, you know, your wife has this question or you have this question as uh, as a mom, what is something that can help with uh, breast milk production? Brewer's yeast. We kind of we kind of say it weird and, and funny uh, around the house. Brewer's yeast sounds very foreign, but uh, brewer's yeast is something that had come up across several researches that my wife had done. She had even had people talk about some little snacks that they would make, and they said one of the biggest key ingredients was uh, brewer's yeast. Now, there's a lot of other things that you can do to help with uh, lactation supply, and you can look that up. I think Starbucks even has a drink that they say is supposed to be good for lactation supply. It's the pink drink. So every time we go through Starbucks, you get the pink drink. It's strawberry flavor. It actually tastes really good. (laughs) And... um, Brewer's yeast. So she just recently made some cookies with brewer's yeast. It took quite a while for it to come in, but you can get it on Amazon, right? So now I think before the brewer's yeast, she did eventually pump like a five ounce bottle. So the production is starts to go up. So if you're at a point where you're not sure about if the if the milk supply is coming in right, from what I hear, it can go either way. It can either stay the same or it can continue to to grow and it continue to get better. So I think that one's just kind of a touch and feel. I don't think that's something that I can give too much insight on because I've heard that it can fluctuate. It's really, it's kind of differs based on the person and the body. So really the only thing in this whole fatherhood deal that we've had that's really just been about us and how we handle the situation, right? I believe has been the schedule. We ourselves have to be scheduled so that he can remain on the schedule i've heard people say that hey i've got a kid who just doesn't do schedules i don't know what that's like at this point we did have we have had a couple of days where out of the blue we started realizing that he wasn't going to sleep immediately after feeding now there we tried to think of okay so what's the what are the things that we've been constant with and then what's the thing that may have been inconsistent right? Because that's the only way that we could think to try to figure out what maybe we were doing wrong or what we could do differently. One of the things that we did realize is that if my wife breastfed, that he would, uh, he would, he doesn't get the milk as fast as he does from a bottle. So many of you may know if you eat something real fast and you get full, you're going to be full quick and being full quick basically makes you bloated it slows down blood flow and makes you tired. So that's what so anytime he would drink from a bottle, boom, he would basically be ready to go to sleep within 5-10 minutes. But if he was breastfeeding, 
he was able to digest it. He wasn't getting bloated. He wasn't getting that slower blood flow because of the bloatedness. So he actually wouldn't go down and he wouldn't go to sleep as quick. So that was something that we had to realize, okay, we're going to breastfeed him, but we're going to breastfeed him in the middle of the day because we want him to remain awake between the hours of 2 p.m. and 5 at the, at the, at the earliest, I guess I would say, because he can be awake all the way up till 7. And then we'll give him a bottle around 8 or 9 whenever he's ready to go to bed because that's, that's what he needs to go to sleep. And the reason being that we don't just stick with breastfeeding or just stick with the bottle, many of you probably already know this, I'm sure the ladies do, but just in case you're, you're brand new or, or men, you're just unaware, because <laughs> I know this is all new to me, but the baby latching onto uh, mom's breasts, the, the, the saliva, there's some type of a chemical thing going on there, right? The breast milk will actually change colors based on what the baby needs. So the mom's body, it's amazing how this happens. The mom's body senses through that latching. Uh, if you don't know what the term latching is, it's basically uh, how the baby attaches onto the nipple. And there's some other stuff that goes into that as well, making sure that, that he's got a good latch, what that looks like. Uh, you can do a lot of research on that. I don't know what that's like from an experience standpoint. We'll have my wife on the episode to give uh, the mother's perspective uh, at some point. But for now, this is just kind of me standing on the outside so the reason she wants to consistently uh, latch at least once a day is to make sure that her milk can change and adapt to give uh, our son what he needs so if he's not feeling well the milk will actually adapt to provide uh, more nutrients you know more antibodies whatever it is i don't i don't know all the chemical behind it all the science behind it but i know that it will adapt to help give him what he needs so that he can continue doing what he needs to do, right? So there's kind of my overview of schedule, of breastfeeding and feeding, because those two things go hand in hand. Getting him to go to sleep has been based on, is he full, right? Especially toward the first couple of weeks. Now this last week, all right? So this is this is kind of the, the nitty gritty that I was talking about. This last week, we've come into some situations where he's been fed, but he doesn't immediately want to go to sleep. As he gets older, now he's starting to see further. He's starting to uh, kind of recognize mom and dad when we're when we're near and we're around. And we've noticed that he if he doesn't immediately go to sleep, again, like we said, it could be related to did did we breastfeed him or did we give him a bottle? If we breastfed him, that's probably why. And he's probably going to be awake here for a little bit. So we may just have to kind of hang out with him a little bit, try to get him calmed down and make sure that he's all right. We, that means we may put him in the, uh, in the carrier and walk around with him, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. That may be what we do. Just something to kind of keep him nice and calm. Let him know that, hey, we're still around. We're still hanging out. So if it was a breastfed, that's what we would do. If we gave him the bottle, you know, changed his diaper, swaddled him up. What do we do now? I'll admit, I have not had that happen with me, but it seems to have happened a couple of times with my wife. My mistake, right? I'm just going to be bluntly honest with you guys. My mistake was assuming that maybe my wife was skipping one of the steps, right? Maybe she was uh, skipping the swaddling because that was difficult for her, or she didn't want him to feel confined because he looks a little uncomfortable at first before he settles in. Or maybe I thought that uh, she breastfed and maybe she just didn't 
have enough milk supply at that point in time because we talked about sometimes she would pump and only get an ounce and a half and other times she would pump and get three ounces well he's been consistently drinking a three ounce bottle so i'm thinking if he only drank an ounce and a half from being breastfed then he's probably still hungry you know and i would try to ask her all these questions and she got a bit offended rightfully so she knew she had done all the steps she needed to do and here was dad who hadn't been around to see what she had done to see her efforts asking her okay well did you do this did you do this did you do this did you do this and she's like yes babe i did do that i did do that and so we had to have a conversation about how i need to communicate that how i need to communicate to my wife and she asked me how i want to be communicated with we had to have that moment and that was just a couple of days ago because I couldn't understand why he wasn't falling into the normal cycle. Why wasn't he just going to sleep? If you did all the steps right, why didn't he just go to sleep? But I also had to understand that it that's that's not my place. It's not this isn't this isn't a job that I can come in and regulate, right? And and, and have a and have a powwow meeting with uh, with her and 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 go over the steps and you know, did let's make sure that we're on the same page. That's not what this is. Um, it's, it's very much trusting that she did her part because I could tell that it, 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 it unsettled her. Right. But we had the conversation. I, um, I, 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 I took one for the team. I said, Hey, uh, hand him over to me. She said, yeah, I'm going to go and do, you know, some more moving cause we're moving into our new house. So I said, Hey, hand him over to me. And yeah, I was still, uh, I was still working. I was still on the clock. I, I just took the, you know, I, I did my best to multitask there for a second. So there for a little while, it was hectic, trying to get him calmed down to go to sleep. Finally did, got him to go to sleep. He didn't sleep for very long. He woke back up uh, and then, you know, I, I fed him, did the whole thing again, got him to go back to sleep. So he was back into that cycle. So there was something that was, that was off. And we realized that it was because uh, she had breastfed beforehand. Now, whether or not he had gotten as much milk as he needed was irrelevant. He could have just had a slower digestion, right? He could have digested it slower, and he was up and moving around and having a good time. Because as he gets older, the more alert he gets, back to what I was saying, the more likely he is to not go to sleep immediately after a feeding. I'm starting to see that in him. So this is something that's just started to come up over the past couple of days, and you'll hear me talk about how that goes um, in later episodes. And so I'm starting to try to find ways to entertain him. He needs to be entertained. Children need to be entertained. But is it healthy entertainment, right? I'm not quite to that point yet. We, Like I said, I put him in the swing that we have. It's a little electronic swing. It swings him for me because I know that's a good soothing technique. And then it's got some things for him to look at that just kind of dangle above his head. That's what he wants. He just wants to be occupied. If all he has to look at is the ceiling, he gets bored really quick. And he starts fidgeting and he starts fidgeting some more and maybe he scratches his face because he popped his arm out of his out of his swaddle and now he's just upset and now we got to console him and we got to get him laid back down because we've got things we got to take care of when really if one of us has the ability to keep him entertained then one of us will if neither of us do then that's when we lean on something to basically keep him entertained while we take care of a couple of things now us as parents We've talked about, or I've talked about on this podcast, about the concept of things that we're standing firm in, things that we don't want to let slip because of 
circumstances or because we lowered our priorities for those things because things got hard. This is one of the things that we're going to do our best to stick to our guns, which is the type of entertainment we provide him with. We're all human beings. We all get bored. We all want to be entertained, especially if he doesn't necessarily have a role in the family except to exist for the first several years of his life. He just wants to be entertained. He wants to have fun. He wants to learn. He wants to, you know, check things out. He wants to 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 be adventurous and to and to look around for new things. No matter how big or old he is, he's starting to want to do that now. Making sure that I provide him a healthy environment to do that without and here it comes. I'm just going to say it because I know some people may get uh, offended by it. Some people may uh, may feel the conviction and maybe it'll encourage somebody to uh, seek out other options, but I'm not going to sit him in front of a TV screen, right? I'm not going to I'm not going to pop a uh, a phone in his hand that he can sit there and mess around with. I'm not going to do the electronics thing. That's something that we're standing firm in. As he gets older and he's able to comprehend electronics, will do timed electronics, right? Because I do believe that as a child, you need to have the ability to navigate electronics. It just helps out for when you get older and the way that the world's moving forward, digital media. We're not going to make him stoic to where the only thing he does is um, just sit around and, and, and read books all day. But books will be a heavy push, right? It'll be very, very little time on electronics, enough for you to stay up to speed with the world. And the rest of the time is going to be old school stuff, you know, spend some time uh, writing or drawing or reading or outside in the weather. So that's just a little bit of insight into one of the principles that I'm unwilling, me and my wife both are unwilling to budge in. And I know that that's something that maybe a lot of parents do find themselves just getting comfortable with. Not to say that that they uh, that they failed at anything, but little by little by little, complacency maybe sinks in. And I can only talk this from somebody who has been a father for three weeks. So I may be eating my words here in the next uh, in the next year or so. My goal is to not. My goal is to hold in there as long as I possibly can to show you what that might look like to show you how I've succeeded and how I've failed. I have no doubt that I will have quote-unquote failures, and I put them in quotes because I say that it's not a failure to me. It's just a lesson. It's something that I can learn from. It's something that I can adapt to, that we can adapt as parents, and we've had several of those moments. So that is it for today's episode. The little guy is actually out with mom uh, going for a walk in the park right now, and I'm here at the uh, office getting some things done. I'm about to go meet some uh, friends out for lunch. And I'm going to go on with my day. I'm ready to, to see my little guy again whenever he comes back from the walk. And then we'll keep trucking along with this parenting thing. We're still moving into the house. That's been a challenge. I've had to step up and do a lot more work than my pride initially wanted to do. I wanted to be like, okay, look, you can actually do a little bit of work. I know you got to take care of him, but nope. Mm -mm. hang that in there. She's doing a lot of work uh, taking care of him, and i got to remind myself of that. So there's these little things that come up. Is it all rainbows and sunshine? No, nah, not all the time, but it's a lot more than what I've heard people depict it to be because of uh, our consistency, because of our teamwork, because of our communication, because of our willingness to to set our pride and our ego aside, both of us, recognizing when it arises I guess I think that's where the arguments come up from, right? 
All right, guys, I got to get off and go have lunch with some friends of mine. But that is today's Father's Perspective. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this or you have any comments or any suggestions, you want to offer me some advice, you want to ask some questions, uh, whatever that is, go check out the teaser post that I put for today's episode on Facebook or Instagram. Go over there and put your comment in there or reach out to me directly on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you guys for listening to another Father's Perspective episode on the Peace with the Process podcast, and I'll talk to you guys next week. 